Hello everyone, welcome back to a special bonus episode of uh, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9 where we usually talk about the two great 90s space station shows, but today we're talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 3. We are part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia, that is Matt in the Southland. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing great. Interesting title for this week's episode, Bob. Mining the Minds Minds. Yeah, better you than me, Matt. Better you than me. That's, that's uh, not an easy one to say. <laughs> no, no. Really going hard on that alliteration stick. Uh, so this was, a, and the puns, too. So this originally came out on the 8th of September, 2022. You know, a long, long time ago. Do you want to walk us through the A-plot, Matt? In the A-plot, Mariner, Rutherford, and Boimler encounter their fantasies and nightmares in psychic mind cleanup. Side caring for a Starfleet Admiral, Jen Sherrying. What? Caring. What is car? What is this word, Bob? You, you have given you, you were teaching me new vocabulary, on the spot. Boimler would be in the sidecar, remember? Oh, sidecarring. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Sidecar. Yeah, caring would just be one R. Yeah. Okay. I don't know people that talk like that, but okay, Bob. I mean, I did. I don't either. But I mean, Boimler. It just seemed like it needed a word for what Boimler wanted. I, you know, I kind of wanted to have sexual overtones because it seemed to me like it kind of had sexual overtones. Yeah, Bob, I'm, I'm going to give you this one. This one's okay, sidecoring. I mean, I kind of like it now that I've actually understand it. So you can, you can add <laughs> this one to uh, some urban dictionary somewhere, and you, I, th I think you'll be okay. Indeed. I'm Very glad creative. you come around on this one. <laughs> All right, so so back to the, the A plot. You have these characters, uh, Jen Shurian, Kokuk. Cocaine. What the fuck's a cocaine, Bob? There wasn't a cocaine in this show. What is yes, that? Yes, there was. What yes, is that? Was. This is the feathered serpent. Oh, Not that's what that's called. With the Borg serpent. Yes, he's the he's a Mayan and Aztec god who uh, appeared in the Star Trek the animated series, which I did rewatch uh, because I am committed to the listeners. Oh, oh, uh, okay, yeah. It's called uh, how sharper how sharper than the serpent's tooth. The anime series no one watches. Okay, gotcha. All right. Uh, it's a great it's a great series, Doc. Okay. Well, you got the, go back to the A plot again, Bob. Here we go. Got the Borg Serpent, which was my favorite. The, there's tentacle monsters, there's clown Klingons, and there's an Andorian werewolf. Yes, yes. Uh, all these created by the psychic minds uh, that they are cleaning up. And then in the B-plot, we have uh, poor Tendi uh, takes senior science officer training from Counselor Miglamu, who, you know, despite being a counselor, doesn't seem to be any sort of scientist. And so it does seem like a rather silly occasion. And then what about our C-plot, Matt? Freeman deals with insecurity around the hotshot young Carlsbad Captain Mayor. Indeed, indeed. So, Bob, this, uh, the, whole, the story touches on a recycle plot used across basically all of Trek. There's a civilian outpost that needs assistance with an alien encounter. Uh, Ransom points this out rather blatantly at the beginning of the episode, but I thought it was a clever nod to, like, all things Trek. Yeah, I did kind of like uh, Ransom's criticism of civilian scientists in Star Trek, calling, you know, implying that they're weird and deviants and lazy for not just joining Starfleet yeah. and, you know, just remaining, going to grad school and becoming scientists in other worlds. And, you know, as we've seen in countless, countless uh, Star Trek series before, frequently coming to bad ends. It's true. It's kind of like here with, like, the military. Like, you either join the military or you go to school. Both lead <laughs> to, like, an education. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't take the military route, so I don't know. Yeah, although, I mean, I guess in defense of the thing, it is like Starfleet is a military, but it also does, you know, a lot of exploration and scientific research. 
So I don't know. It, 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 I mean, granted, you would want civilian science, not just uh, not just Starfleet science. But yeah, there, it, there always does seem to be a kind of interesting redundancy in Star Trek between the Starfleet explorers and the civilian explorers. And here those Starfleet officers come to save the day, Bob. Off screen in the show. <laughs> so did you get I Dream of Genie vibes off the, the apparition from the psychic mind in the cold open? So no, I got a, 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 you had a very specific vibe and I can, I can see it. Okay. But my specific okay. vibe was a little different. Thank you for validating my vibe, Matt. Yes. I, it, I, I got what you're, I got where you're coming from, but honestly, I got Ghostbusters vibes from the scene, but not the good Ghostbusters, like the all female cast Ghostbusters. You weren't a, weren't a fan of lady Ghostbusters, Matt? No, Bob. And not because they're ladies. It just was not funny. Sorry. Okay, I'm, gl- I'm really glad you made that comparison. If you, or not comparison. I'm really glad you made that clarification. Had you not, I would have prompted you to make it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I gave it a ch- I watched it in theaters, and I watched it when it, like, you know, came out streaming and stuff. And it just, it, it just doesn't compare. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I, I wanted it to succeed in a sense because I love Ghostbusters, and yeah. I didn't care about the all-female thing. That didn't bother me. I, I thought they were funny comedians as well. All of them from SNL. Which, you know, yeah. I guess that's to be debated by some the people, tradition, but still, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, this couldn't be too wrong, but that's just written, not, not written very well. And ugh. Speaking of Ghostbusters, has there been another Ghostbusters movie since Lady Ghostbusters? Yeah, Afterlife came out last year, and uh, it was pretty good. It tied back to the first film. Oh, I, I, I thought you hated it. Okay. Well, it was, it was all right. It had the it had it had the weird CGI Egon, and that was the only thing I had like had a major uh, okay. complaint you, with. You just, you just really hated that. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. But the rest of the tone of the film just it was, it was much more what you would have expected from the original than the remake. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then another another Ghostbusters question while we're tangenting: Did you ever read the Wildstorm Ghostbusters uh, comic? I think it was like late '90s, early aughts. I did. Yes. What do you remember about it? I don't remember being a huge fan of it because that okay. IDW series is really like where it's at when it comes to Ghostbusters comics. Yeah, uh, apparently IDW is just the shit for doing good licensed comics, but uh, other than Star Trek, they mostly don't do licensed comics for things I care about. Right. And also, <laughs> like, I don't know, I've just never really been a big Star Trek comic guy. Like, I have, you know, if I'm, if I, I'm not going to watch Star Trek TV, which has never been easier now than now, right? Then um, I'm going to read a Star Trek novel. I, re- I very rarely am like, oh, yeah, I want to I see what they did in the comics. I've never been a big Star Trek comic fan either, unless there's some crazy plot. that, Like, like the ones with the Mirror Universe I really enjoyed. Okay. I do enjoy the crossovers they'll do in in the like IDW's done like they did a Star Trek and the Legion of Superheroes they did a Star Trek and the Green Lantern Corps which actually that one kind of sucked because it was the it was the Abrams Star Trek crossing over the Green Lantern which totally makes sense but I still didn't you know I just I I didn't like that one that much but they also did a Star Trek and Planet of the Apes which I thought was dope. The issue too with Star Trek comics in general though Bob is like there's not as much action that you would want to put on a comic book page. You know what I mean? Like the way, the way I think of it is more like most good Star Trek to me doesn't revolve around action, but it revolves around like kind of procedural discussions about a problem, right? Like whether that's right. a mystery or a space anomaly. And that's just like, that's not a great sort of story set up for, um, for a comic, right? Comics need to need to revolve around fights. Usually. 
Yes. I'm going to use my, my uh, one art appreciation class, Bob. Yes. For a visual print media. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not appropriate. I don't know that you needed uh, an art appreciation uh, class to say that, but I'm glad that you took one and I'm glad that you said it, Matt. I got it. <laughs> Speaking of art appreciation, Bob, are you excited for the return of that green bird character that you love so much? Well, so I I'm going to have to slow your roll there. So I like there being bird aliens in Star Trek. I think that's cool. I think they should do more of that. Uh, I, I don't particularly like this character. In fact, I find him like off-putting and annoying. But that said, I mean, that's kind of the point of the character. So he's doing, he's doing a good job in getting that X-Pac heat. So I guess in a meta sense, yeah, I guess I'm happy to see uh, Counselor Miglamu return. Yeah, the back and forth between Tendi and the Counselor Bird is like my entire graduate school experience, Bob. Like all lumped into one. Oh, God. That's, that's, uh, that, that's, that's interesting that uh, you had so many people who wanted to be your awkward mentor in grad school. That was not really my experience <laughs> of grad school. Maybe, yeah. maybe that just means you're a better, nicer, more attractive person than me. Possibly. That must be it, Bob. I mean, clearly, probably, why not all three, in fact? Yeah. The, the, the Greenberg character is, is basically every professor I had. So. It would have, uh, I, I will say, I really did think his line about uh, it would have been logical to find an editor was a pretty good burn on Spock. I, yeah. that, that cracked me up. Yeah. Oh, man. So I was kind of happy to see the Cerritos get a, get a reputation uh, from the Carlsbad crew, right? Yeah. But then when, you know, you later have the reveal that it's like a good reputation, not like a bad reputation. I was a little, I was a little sad. I kind of like the idea of like the Cerritos being a little bit the black sheep of the, uh, of the fleet rather than the, you know, the heroes of the California class. Yeah. That was a bullshit cop out. I did not like it. <laughs> oh, okay. Strong feelings. Strong yeah. It kind of ruined the effect of the whole thing. I got your heat. The whole point was they were trying to like out, you know, outdo the guys from the Carlsbad, and then they turn around and like, oh no, we really admire you. We're just, you know, like screw that. <laughs> so uh, we we already spent some time struggling with uh, the dreams and the fantasies produced by the psychic mind. Apparently, you know, my way of phrasing it was not easy for Matt. Yeah, I cannot interpret your writing yes, or your yes, dreams. My, my cryptic gnomic writing about the dreams. Uh, any any other points you wanted to make about some of the fantasy characters we see? Yeah, when we see Dr. Leah Brams was like the most random inclusion in this uh, and the obvious Easter egg, because I think the rest of the characters, other than this uh, god bird thing that only you know about from watching the animated series, there was a hologram of her in two Next Generation episodes, Booby Trap and Galaxy's Child, Bob. Actually, to, to slow your roll there, um, isn't it she... Jordy uses her as a hologram in one, but then the real one shows up in the other one and finds out about the hologram and that Jordy is caught feelings for the hologram and it's pretty put off. Actually, that's correct, Bob. Booby Trap is the one with the hologram and Galaxy's Child is the one where she shows up in real life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how um I don't know how random it is though. I mean, on the one hand, it kind of makes perfect sense that that would be Rutherford's dream woman, you know. And also, given that, like, you know, not to overstate this, because I think they're pretty different characters in a lot of ways, but there are, you know, a lot of similarities between Rutherford and LaForge. Yeah. Um, so it kind of makes sense uh, as a gag to have, you know, them have the same uh, dream woman. Do you think Rutherford's supposed to be like a, a, a younger version of LaForge in a way? 
yeah, yeah, I guess so in some ways. And I mean, there's a lot that's kind of similar in like Rutherford and Tendy's relationship to LaForge and Data, especially to me, like in the way that like the show gives you like no textual evidence to support that them being attracted to each other. But the fact that they spend so much time together kind of suggests that they might be attracted to each other. I don't know. Let me just say this too, Bob. The the names that when I had to go back and you know, do the research for this, the names of these two episodes, it just sounds like shitty B movies. Booby trap. <laughs> I kind of like the cheesy B movie quality because, of it. Because you watch Starman, Amazon Prime recommends Galaxy's Child. <laughs> hey, Starman Starman's not a B movie. It's a solid movie. Uh, John Carpenter, yeah, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you say so. Oh, you so say you're you're not you're not a fan of Jeff Bridges in an ET knockoff? Okay, is, is it Jeff Bridges or is it Kurt Russell? So you don't even you don't even know because you you it's a B movie. It sucks. It's been it's not a fucking B movie, dog. It came out after he made the thing. That don't mean nothing. It'll still be B. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, Bob. Jeff Bridges. Oh man! All right, I was I was right, and then I doubted myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> let 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 that be a lesson to all you kids. All right, so Bob. Yes. Did you have a favorite nightmare creature from this episode? Yeah, I really liked uh, Kukulin. That was a great uh, callback to a great episode of Star Trek: The Animated Series that I had ah! to coerce you into watching. God dang! <laughs> well, mine was definitely the Borg serpent. I hate snakes, and that Borg eyepiece just made it that much more frightening. So, great job with that. Klingon clowns, Bob, did not bother me one bit. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't fear clowns. I just viscerally dislike them. Yeah, I don't fear him either. So when I saw it, I was like, eh, it's just not really scary. So, Bob, your, your favorite cat, Vixen, is back. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's not been up to much these first two episodes, but uh, she comes back in high style in uh, this one. Uh, you know, she got to amputate a foot. She's also, uh, she's being the good mentor for Tendi as opposed to Counselor Miglamu. Um, I, I don't know. Did you ever have a uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Tiana with a chainsaw in your grad school career, Matt? No, Bob. And that's why I turned out the way I did. Yeah, for the worse, I would say. Yeah, Clearly for exactly. It's the second time we've had a scene where Dr. Tiana is not threatening, but like explaining that she's going to have to chop somebody's foot off. Like, this is a running gag at this point. Yeah, she enjoys it. She enjoys it. And, you know, she's going to grow him a new one. That's how they roll in Star Trek, but... Yeah, she's just going to relish taking the bad one off. <laughs> the infected one. The corrupted one. <laughs> I also really... Uh, you know, I was complaining about it. Turns out that uh, the Cerritos has a good reputation among the California-class ships. But uh, I did enjoy that apparently Boimler's thought of as a tiny comedic robot. That cracked me up. Especially, like, Tindy saying in, like, a kind of patronizing voice. Oh, look at him. He wants to be human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Bob. This was not the most interesting episode of Lower Decks. Oh, I really liked it. It's not going. It's not a dumpster fire. Not, not. We're not that territory yet. But it was. It was in the middle somewhere. What? What was last week? I've already kind of forgotten last week. Space elevator. Space, repair. Yeah, 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 yeah. The space elevator thing. Like I'm saying. Like I said last week. I feel like the first episode drew me in real big. You know, had all the Easter eggs and the crazy Trek shit that I really like. And then slowly they're like taking it away and making it more just about the Lower Decks characters as opposed to my love of random Trek Easter eggs. Well, one of my boys was kind of disagreeing with us on the second episode, and he made the point that it's like, we're right that it's not overt Easter eggs like that are really kind of cleverly woven into the plot, like uh, the premiere. 
But with both two and three, and you, you were kind of saying this earlier in this episode, even though they're not like a very Easter egg heavy, like the general type of situation is straight out of Star Trek, like you were saying. That's true. So, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, on, on one level, it probably does make for less memorable episodes. But on the other hand, like since I don't want the show to, you know, just be straight up Easter eggs. Like it's good to have a you know it's good to have a little bit of mediation I suppose between the, the Easter eggs and the plot, at least for some episodes. All right, Bob. So looking at character of the week, my character of the week is Lieutenant Commander Stevens. I don't. Is that the guy who's uh, who's uh, pardon the phrase Dick riding ransom? Exactly, Bob. That's how you get ahead in life, guys. You got a dick ride, both in the metaphorical and the literal sense. And and this is not a sexist statement, ladies. I'm not just talking to you, fellas. You're included in this too. Non-binary folks, you're included in this too. You got a dick ride to get ahead in this life. We, we're all inclusive, guys. All right. Yeah. But let me say this: I, I chose him because of the whole scene where they're throwing the little uh, psychic balls into the. I guess it's the destruction thing. Whatever the little yeah, machine very, is. Very, very '90s dunking styles. I, I dug that. Yeah, that was my my favorite part. Is when Lieutenant Commander Stevens goes for it and breaks the machine, and they all fall out. So. <laughs> I, I did enjoy uh, the easy way uh, Mariner uh, manipulated Stevens into doing that by saying that the uh, the Carlsbad crew was talking bad about Ransom as a commander. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, who was your character of the week? Um, I really liked uh, Sharan. I, uh, I, I like that we're just going to go ahead and be explicit that Mariner and Sharan are dating. I think that's sweet. Um, so I was very happy about that. I'm just glad you can say her name correctly. I, I think I butchered it like 20 times in the opening. Sure, sure I, I am. I, I greatly enjoyed that. I greatly <laughs> enjoyed that. You, you, right. You're terrible with Andorian names, Matt. All right. All right. So well, before we leave, though, Bob, we got to talk one more thing. Uh, we had Star Trek Day a couple of days ago. There was a trailer for Picard Season 3, which will be airing in February. Any thoughts on that? Did you get a chance to watch it? No, I did not watch it. Um, I Bob, I, I did not know it was airing in February. I I don't know, man. Like people are saying that this season will be different, but I don't know. First two seasons sucked, man. Why? <laughs> like, why would the third be any different? The first season, we were just excited because you know it was more content. Picard returning to the screen. Second season, we're like, oh, it, it'll be better than the first season. No, I was let down. Third season, people saying the same thing, Bob. Just, I don't know. It doesn't look yeah. like it's gonna be I amazing. Mean, it'll be it'll be nice to see the next generation crew back, but I that's about shit, it. man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I want to say I'm like sort of just more happy for Picard to be done and for you know Paramount Plus to put some other Star Trek show in the rotation, but then I reflect on the fact that that's likely like a Section Thirty One show, and eh, that that doesn't make me happy. My thing is, should have made it a damn movie. Should have made Picard a movie. Even a trilogy of films. Yeah. Much tighter than what we got. And it would have probably been more successful. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's another just curse of the streaming age where everything that should be a movie is a a miniseries, a.k.a. the entire Marvel product of Disney+. Only other announcement I think that I really noticed in... Hit us up on Twitter if I missed anything, but they did show some stuff about Prodigy that I didn't watch. Didn't really care. Oh, God. Oh, oh. 
I'm gonna watch it all. I'm not necessarily gonna make. I'm not gonna make you watch it, but I'm gonna watch it. Oh, and the other news: there's a new engineer on Strange New Worlds. Oh yeah, I did see that. Right, it, it, it's a lady. Yes, um, she's a comedian. Okay, I mean that worked really well with Tignataro on Disco, so sure it should work well on Strange New Worlds. Did they actually do a trailer of Strange New Worlds, or was it just that news? It was just that news. Carol Kane's the name of the actress. What should I know her from something? Honestly, I'm just glad it's not Scotty. <laughs> I am actually too, because I, th- I thought that was... she was in the Princess Bride. Oh wow! We would probably know her as Granny in the Adams Family. Oh, like the early '90s Adams Family. Adams Family Values. She looks familiar. Oh, she was the ghost of Christmas Past and Scrooged. Yeah, she looks familiar, but I, I can't really put her to mind from any of the stuff on IMDb. It's kind of cool that they're going with somebody in their 70s, though. I think that's cool. Uh, she was in the Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's where I know her from. Yeah, I never watched that. I, I heard it was pretty good. She played the landlord. Okay. In no other news, so just uh, some prodigy stuff that we're going to ignore. Picard trailer and Strange New Worlds engineer. That was really yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of crazy stuff this time around that I that I was interested. I'm sure there may be other things, but well, it's just like my my uh, my workload is too heavy in the fall. In the spring, it's a lot lighter, and I can follow this stuff much easier. Bob works out in the fields during the day. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a bonus episode of our coverage of Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, check us out for our ongoing coverage of Babylon 5 versus Deep Space 9 if uh, we don't get exhausted and go into a hiatus uh, check us out for a bonus episode coming soon probably for Thor 4 uh, go on Patreon find us uh, doing X-Men 92 versus Young Justice we are part of Uncanny Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia that's Matt in the Southland have a great night everybody thanks for listening